Uninvited Guest, a Good Omens podfic, written by Entangled Now and read by Chubb. Summary Aziraphale is used to spending long nights battling insomnia and repairing old and damaged books. But he's unprepared for his new neighbor to be quite so attractive or to develop a habit for sleepwalking into his flat during the night. Chapter 1 like ships passing in the night. It's quarter to four in the morning, and Aziraphale is carefully separating yellowed pages at his desk. He's always liked the hours before dawn. There's a certain consistency to the quiet that makes concentrating significantly easier, especially on delicate and fiddly tasks. He developed something of a habit in his youth, carving out precious, undisturbed stretches of time for himself when everyone else was asleep. Though for a while now, it hasn't been so much due to early rising as a frustrating inability to sleep for more than a few hours at a time. It seems a bit ungrateful to complain about insomnia, when it often gives him the most productive hours of the day. Hours when he works, until his body gives up hoping for some rest and makes a disgruntled effort to start the new day instead. The book spread open on his desk is in remarkably good condition considering its age, which, somewhat disappointingly, is not reflected in its worth. Though, He'd still been very careful to make sure his hands were clean and dry before setting everything out, so as not to risk any further damage. The binding is fraying a little, but most of the pages have held up surprisingly well. The ones that haven't are in a shocking state, though, and if a Xerophil ever gets his hands on the person who thought cellotape was any way to treat a 200-year-old, beautifully illustrated copy of, the floor behind him gives a long creak, and he startles, very nearly slicing his way clean through the pages, rather than the yellowed line of tape caught on their edges. Good lord! A quick look behind him confirms what he already suspected. He puts a hand to his chest, feeling his heart pounding from the unexpected shock, before slowly pushing his glasses up and regarding the cause of the interruption. It's not a burglar, it's just Crowley. His neighbor from across the hall, Mr. A. J. Crowley at least according to the post that was occasionally still delivered here. He'd lived on this side of the hall originally, but had agreed to switch flats with him when he moved in. Aziraphale had needed a fairly dry atmosphere with as little sunlight as possible for his books. Crowley apparently had something of a botanical interest and had taken the south-facing wall for his plants. Unfortunately, 
Crowley seemed to think that he still lived here, or part of him did, anyway. Hello, Crowley, Aziraphale says quietly, gently tugging his glasses off completely and setting them on the desk behind him. I see you're on an adventure again tonight. Crowley doesn't reply. He simply continues to slowly shuffle past the desk, giving the occasional hum of progress. He's quite deeply asleep. The invasion has become something of a habit. Aziraphale is led to understand that, outside of children, where it's more common, sleep-deprived workaholics with high-stress lifestyles are prime candidates for sleepwalking. He's only known the man a few months, but Crowley certainly seems to give that impression. He's roughly the same age as Aziraphale, though he carries it a little better, all long slim lines and hard angles that he likes to squeeze into expensive designer clothes. Though his preference seems to be wearing them like he'd thrown them on in a hurry. He's handsome enough to turn hats, and the way he saunters about and leans provocatively on a scar suggests that he knows it. But there's a bite to every word out of his mouth, and an air of restless impatience to him that borders on rudeness. The habit he has for wearing sunglasses at all hours of the day or night doesn't help. It only seems to confirm that the last thing he wants is to be bothered. The expensive outfits he's more used to seeing during the day are currently missing, though. Instead, Crowley's wearing deep red pajama trousers and a faded black t-shirt, the neck of which is loose enough to have slipped sideways, exposing his collarbone and the rounded curve of one shoulder. His strange hazel eyes are half open, but Aziraphale knows from experience that he's not even close to awake. His striking fin of frustrated hair is crumpled on one side, as if he'd been rubbing it on a pillow half the night. The first time it had happened had almost scared Aziraphale to death, understandably. He'd woken from a half-dose in his armchair a book still spread open on his chest to a looming figure in the darkness, only to realize, after a rather embarrassing series of noises, that luckily no one had been witness to, and one inaccurately thrown cushion, that the tall man in his apartment was in fact his sleepwalking neighbor. He'd said barely two dozen words to Crowley before that. After the agreement to switch, they'd only really exchanged a few socially expected head tips and muttered words of greeting. A brief mention of the weather, here and there. Certainly nothing that would have prepared Aziraphale to find the man swaying in his living room in silk pajama trousers and a faded queen t-shirt. He debated for a while whether to wake him but that had seemed a nobly familiar sort of thing to do. He hadn't known yet that waking someone who was sleepwalking wouldn't harm them. So, after dithering for a moment, 
He'd eventually herded the poor man back through the hall and into his own flat. The door of which had still been wide open, the light from the hall spilling inside. Crowley had been terribly embarrassed when Aziraphale had stopped him the next morning and explained. Of course he had to explain, and he hadn't enjoyed it at all. It had been a deeply awkward conversation for the both of them. Crowley had apologized to Aziraphale and told him it wouldn't happen again. He'd even promised to buy a boat for his door. It hadn't helped. He's only been living here a few months, though. It seemed unkind to expect a man's subconscious to adapt to new surroundings so quickly. Aziraphale supposes that Crowley will realize he's in the wrong place eventually, and it will stop. He's not really any trouble, unexpected manifestations aside, no. He's not a terribly bothersome guest at all. If Aziraphale is being perfectly honest, he finds the man rather intimidating when he's awake. The few times they've met each other in the hall, Crowley had seemed restless, posture angled as if to attack or to defend against one. The dark circles of his sunglasses give no clue where exactly he is looking, leaving Aziraphale to imagine sharply narrowed eyes and a tense set to his mouth. Though Aziraphale still forces himself to offer a good morning or bids him a good day. Mostly because he can't quite find a way to wish him a restful night. I see I'm not the only one who's been fighting their disordered sleep patterns tonight. It seems equally unfair for Aziraphale to admit that he finds him easier to talk to like this. This softer, more relaxed version of Crowley, stripped of all tension, purpose and sharp edges. He hasn't earned this intimacy at all. It's a vulnerability that Crowley never chose to share. It was forced upon him, which must be an awful thing to deal with. Aziraphale has already chided himself several times for his not entirely innocent appreciation for how handsome the man was in these moments. The shape of him appealingly soft and sleep-rumbled as he sways his way around Aziraphale's home, his intimate personal spaces, as if he belongs here. But noticing how lovely he is seems a terrible breach of trust, while Crowley is unaware and somewhat under his care, the unspoken agreement of which is a disturbingly nebulous thing. He catches himself, not for the first time, staring at the snake tattoo in front of Crowley's right ear, a stylish Gordian knot of serpentine loops. It's a strangely bold place to have a tattoo, though Crowley seems the type not to care what other people think, or at least to give the impression very strongly that he doesn't. Aziraphale is not entirely sure how Crowley's even getting into the flat, 
The lock on his front door always seems sturdy when he tests it. Yet somehow it never holds against the determined persistence of his sleeping neighbor. There's still the very real risk of being startled out of book repair sometime between two and four in the morning by an uninvited guest in his flat. Crowley's usually wandering between the kitchen and the living room, frowning in bewilderment at what Aziraphale would imagine is a confusingly unfamiliar environment. He seems to dislike the fridge especially. Last week he stood in front of it saying no, very quietly under his breath. Aziraphale had chosen not to take this as judgment on the half a raspberry cheesecake that still had been in there. But Crowley had been strangely insistent about it, and it was a few minutes of gentle urging before he'd been able to catch hold of the man's chilled arm and coax him back into his own flat. Aziraphale pushes his chair back very slowly and stands, stretching out the ache in his back, the one that tells him sharply how long it had been since he last moved. Time to get you back to your own bed, I think, Aziraphale says, and can't help being amused how much it sounds like he expects a reluctant reply. He'd been forced to do a fair bit of research when it became clear it wasn't going to be a random event, but something of a recurring problem. That was when he discovered that though it wasn't dangerous to wake a sleepwalker, it could be horribly disorienting, even frightening, for them to regain consciousness in an unfamiliar place. The recommendation was to try and avoid startling them, if possible. It was easier to let them work through their own dreamlike wanderings, if it was safe to do so. Then take them back to their own room and resettle them. Aziraphale is aware that people would argue that Crowley isn't, that he shouldn't be, his responsibility. But it's really no trouble. It's something of a break from his own lonely thoughts. He reaches out and gently curls his fingers behind Crowley's elbow. His skin is still warm, suggesting he hadn't been out of his bed for very long. Aziraphale mentally apologizes for the familiarity while very slowly turning him, hoping to guide him back out into the hall. Here we go! It's a slow process sometimes, as if Crowley objects to having his expedition cut short. But eventually his feet shuffle around on the carpet, the red silk brushing his ankles. That's right! We've done this before. You know the way. Angel, Crowley says quietly, not for the first time. Aziraphale has grown used to the way he talks in his sleep while he moves around, sometimes fragments of a thought, sometimes simply the punch of a word or two here and there, often repeated in different tones and cadences, as if he's looking for the right one something in his head catching on a thought that it can't quite shake. There was an angel. They 
fascinating creatures, Aziraphale agrees, because it seems easier that way. I have some books on religious iconography. You're free to borrow them if you find your interest continuing in the waking world. He'd originally worried that saying anything in response to him would disturb Crowley. But after he'd sent a few chairs and several stacks of books crashing to the floor and slept through the whole thing, it had become apparent that a few comments weren't going to wake him. Aziraphale has found that there's a strange comfort to be had in making it feel more like a conversation. I was looking. I was looking. I was looking. I was looking. The words gradually soften, become almost plaintive, before they eventually trail off. I'm afraid you won't find any in here, Aziraphale tells him apologetically. No angels to be found in my bookshelves, or my fridge, I'm sorry to say. Now, your own bed has to be more comfortable than my drafty living room. Crowley blinks slowly, but thankfully he lets himself be gently turned again and led back out into the cold hall. The door to his flat is open as well, and Aziraphale notices that he hasn't just invested in a boat. There's also a sturdy white chair that had clearly been pushed aside so he could gain access to the outside. No luck there either, I see. Aziraphale can't help being sympathetic to what must be a deeply frustrating problem. Well, I suppose at least coming to visit me is safer than you wandering around outside. Or... God forbid, possibly taking a spill down the stairwell. Aziraphale would much rather live through a few interruptions than worry that Crowley was sleepwalking through London in his pajamas. At least he's mostly safe if he's padding around his bookshelves and having mysterious opinions about his fridge. The first few times, Aziraphale had left him just inside his own flat. It had seemed like too much of an invasion to spend more time than absolutely necessary in a stranger's home, not without being invited. But he'd learned that if he did that, then Crowley had a tendency to drift back across the hall again. Or, in some cases, He'd simply keep wandering around his flat for a while, making the odd thumping or clattering noise. Aziraphale couldn't help but worry that he'd hurt himself stumbling around in the dark. So he'd started gently ushering Crowley back into his bedroom, though he was quite aware how that might look if the man found out it had become necessary before he could explain himself. Aziraphale had left a note taped to the inside of Crowley's front door, doing exactly that, apologizing profusely for overstepping such a large boundary, offering Crowley an opportunity to object, 
or to offer an alternative. He hadn't heard anything back after that, but there had been a large and expensive hamper filled with a selection of teas, biscuits and chocolate delivered to him a few days later. Crowley had seemed genuinely mortified about the whole thing. Aziraphale is fairly certain he is avoiding him now, at least during the day. Crowley's flat is much nicer than Aziraphale had expected it to be, even if it does feel a little empty. The walls are a moody pale grey, but it's clean, airy space, with a selection of lush green plants in every room. He has exactly one bookshelf, which is half full, and his taste in paintings could best be described as spooky and whimsical. Aziraphale likes to take this as a sliver of proof that the man isn't quite as prickly as he likes to appear. A soft, plump-looking pillow sits incongruously on the floor of the living room, one corner of the pillowcase stretched out, as if Crowley had attempted to take it with him. Aziraphale stops to pick it up, puffing it carefully back into shape. Crowley sways gently next to him, until Aziraphale reaches for his arm again. You'll be much warmer when you're back in bed, he tells him. Crowley's bedroom is stylish, but surprisingly empty too. Nothing inside it except the bed and a small black cabinet beside it, which holds a lamp, a phone case, and a ridiculously large watch. The duvet is pushed back, not folded but bunched, as if Crowley had slithered out of it rather than flung it off of himself. It's still warm when Aziraphale carefully folds it out of the way so he can sit Crowley down, putting the pillow back where it belongs and then coaxing him to lay down on it. There we go. That's much better, isn't it? Angel, Crowley mutters, as if he's finally found what he'd been looking for. There you are, back where you belong. Aziraphale says encouragingly, and no wondering for the rest of the morning, hm? You'll wear yourself out. I know how terribly busy you are during the day. This can't be good for you. You need some proper rest. Aziraphale knows from experience. He knows how difficult getting a proper rest can be. He stops himself from tucking the quilt around the man. They are effectively still strangers, and the only way Aziraphale has so far managed to not feel like he's in some way taking horrible advantage, or being deeply inappropriate, is if he stays in the man's flat no longer than absolutely necessary. He makes his way back to his own front door, then heads inside, pushing it shut behind him. Concentration broken for a while, and with no desire to sleep any time soon, he puts the kettle on. Perhaps some chamomile tea will warm him up.
Thank you.